0: Welcome to episode 28 of the Real Talk Podcast presented by Reform Perspective. Today on the show, we are joined by John Dykstra of Reform Perspective. He is the the chief editor over there, the main man, the head honcho, the big cheese, and uh, we're happy to have him on today. So thanks, John, for coming on. Yeah,
1: it's fun to be here.
0: Yeah. So we're excited to talk to you. Uh, I guess we'll get into a bit about who you are maybe, and you can give folks a uh, brief background on that and what you've... Yeah, what you've been doing with RP over the past uh, two plus decades, and uh, kind of talk about I guess the evolution of of Reform Perspective, which we'll kind of refer to as RP as shorthand, and then we'll uh, we'll get into a number of different topics in terms of things you've written on and and just what it's like to be an editor at a magazine that is explicitly Christian, explicitly reformed in a world that is uh, very much not either of those things. Mm-hmm. So maybe go from there and, uh, you start with, the start with the bio, I guess for that long question. Sorry.
1: Okay. Yeah. Bio. Um, I started writing for RP back in 96, uh, because I, uh, well because all the grad parties that I had been involved in involved a lot of drunkenness. So, uh, my year, we tried to replace that with a dry party and uh, it was the dullest party that had ever been. So I learned from that, that you can't really fight something with nothing. And uh, I found out that my cousin, their grad party, their, their grad trip went to uh, Whitewater Rafting five hours away in Jasper. And so then that was basically the article that you can't, you can't fight something with nothing. So, just a suggestion. This is gonna happen. I know this is gonna happen because everybody knows this is how it goes. And uh, you're kidding yourself. You don't think this is what's happening. And here's an alternative. You can actually have a God glorifying grad party. So, I think the title was the very imaginative grad party, um, hmm. and that that was my first first piece for our RP. Not because I thought of myself as a writer, but just because I had something to say. Did so, you uh, did you do any writing before that at all for different outlets or no? Um, yeah, I wrote something for my university paper. Uh, they had a column called one in 10, which was, uh, the homosexual activists on campus. And he wrote something about how all straight guys were, were just like this. So I wrote something that got titled nine and 10. And, uh, I just wrote about how I, I, you know, it was really sad, but I'd been born this way and I just couldn't help, you know couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, first class after that got published, uh, 200, 200, classmates, I walked into the room late, everybody stopped talking. So that was an interesting intro to the power of words. Um, but uh, they, a few of them congratulated me for that after, but, uh, it, it was an interesting few moments there. Wow. But yeah. Uh, did a little bit at Alberta Report, just as an intern kind of thing, uh, which was a big conservative uh, magazine back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, done articles here and there, but since I got on with RP, it's been pretty exclusive. Did you? Uh, did you grow up? I know you live uh,
0: stateside now. Did you grow up in Western Canada, or where are you from originally?
1: Yeah, Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. So yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. yeah. Go Oilers, go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's nice. long gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you came on with RP about 1999. Yeah. What did the organization look like at that point?
1: Yeah. So they had a principal who was doing the job part-time uh, as kind of a side gig. Couldn't, it, it demanded more than that. Uh, I came on as a part-time employee and basically started working full-time at it because I was used to eating macaroni, just, you know, <laughs> newly out of university and uh, still living with my parents so I could do that. I ate a lot of macaroni and stayed up real late figuring out how to do the job. A Few years later, uh, it actually grew into a full-time job. So then since then, uh, the biggest development was about five years ago where we decided to go from subscribers to, to putting everything out online and asking people to support us uh, by donations. And that was spectacular because before that, we're writing for about 1,500 families. And I kept hearing people say stuff like, oh, you know, uh, know, what should we say to our kids about, I don't know what it'd be, like marijuana or pornography or something, it'd be, yeah, there was a really good article on that in this magazine that that just went out to a whole bunch of people, but not you. but now it goes out to uh, I think five thousand families in print, but all all donation supported, and then it goes out to a really wide range online. About a thousand thousand hits a day uh, oh, online. Nice, yeah, that's big. So that was the biggest change, and it was it was a long time in coming, and just wonderful to wonderful to see.
0: Yeah, that's nice. fantastic. So you kind of made the change from not fully because obviously the magazine is still printed in print, uh, which is be how you print anything, I suppose. <laughs> Once again, saying the obvious thing. But uh, so what was that transition like going, uh, going online and now you're kind of doing this hybrid model sort
1: of thing? Yeah. It, it, see, pr- previously you couldn't put too much online because then people wouldn't want to pay for it. Mm, so right. you didn't want to distribute it too widely we would put like an article an issue or something like that um but the mission of the organization was to uh help as many people as possible with upbuilding uh edifying materials so our our business model was conflicting with our mission you know we didn't we couldn't give it away free because nobody would pay for it so when those two things resolved um uh, then it's full steam ahead and, and uh, a lot of people on the board uh, doing work, getting, getting the support behind the scenes. But we have so many people who were subscribers who are now donors. So they saw the value and now they can just, you know, send an article via email link or whatever to their to their family. So they saw the value and just giving it away way better than the su- subscriber. Hmm,
2: yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So before we get into actual topics, what does your typical week look like then? Are you just writing all week or you're editing uh, and reading and
1: yeah, I don't think I have a typical week. So <laughs> we get talk, you know, with you guys. Um it's uh it's fun. It's just a little bit of everything, sometimes a bit hard to keep up with stuff. Uh but doing a little bit of layout tweaks uh, doing a little bit of uh online this or that um daniel uh you our web our web guru does uh, all the big lifting online but uh i'm doing i'm kind of doing the daily tweaks so i get to be uh, a man of many hats and and i think that's what kind of keeps it interesting so right well, and are you um doing a lot of
0: like opinion type writing or is it more reviews and, and edits that kind of thing? Like, do you have other people yeah. helping you out when it comes to writing?
1: So ideally RP is not really a magazine of opinion. It's uh, intent is to be a magazine of direction. So that, What's that the difference? is, uh, well, the difference is that um, you got to know, you got to be able to back what you're saying. Mm, so gotcha. uh, anybody can kind of throw out an opinion. Now there are things that you know you're going to proffer it as uh, an opinion, but then it's still got to be a well uh, backed opinion. So we're talking COVID. Um, we had something. Uh, I wrote something on basically how the two sides of that debate weren't crazy. Uh, here's here's good arguments on this side. Here's good arguments on that side. I didn't even know what to think, but I I, I did want to pitch that uh, you know those guys on the other side there they have a point.
0: Mm. Yep. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: yeah that's that's a good example right there hmm. but yeah i mean even yeah especially covid that's always a, a divisive one for sure and it's useful it's a useful thing for a magazine to do i guess yeah, to help people see other sides and and to at least uh yeah give give some helpful direction that way we hope to you know try to continue on in that spirit at least for the podcast here too <laughs> do our do our best to not give too much opinion and, and more direction i suppose but I guess maybe to get into some sort of uh, the broader topics, unless you want to talk about any, anything more that kind of stuck out to you over the years, like you're, you've been the main editor and are there people, who are the people along the way that have been kind of helping and making this happen? Cause I know an executive director came on at some point as well.
1: Yeah. So Chris DeBoer is uh, the, the is the boss and uh, he's running the book division. That's kind of his daily Job, but we we interact he right he does podcasts he does um article articles for the magazine as well and he's kind of uh running all the stuff that goes behind the scenes um uh yeah we got uh, a wonderful uh, executive assistant in sherry um and daniel is uh working for us it i i used to be the web guru like about five years ago i was the guy who would fix things and what <laughs> took me like days he does in minutes so it's so wonderful to have him involved <clears throat>
0: yeah yeah that's that's amazing always nice to get help from from the team that way but sounds mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. sounds like a lean team putting out a lot of good good material and yeah it's a wide reach for for that yeah. many people at it so it's pretty cool to see mm. and then and, and then there's you guys, right? Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, we're we're involved as well. <laughs> yeah. We joined the team. It's good to be a part of it. Yeah, we're doing we're doing as much as we can. Hopefully, doing uh, some lifting on our end. And yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, and it's it's cool to reach people and to to create conversations. And we hope people enjoy it. And you know, there's uh, the podcast, but people like the podcast stuff and magazine. People like print and and online articles for people who prefer that. So there's something for everybody at RP for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, you want to jump into uh kind of let's let's hit a broader topic which will kind of set the stage I think for some of the more specific uh articles we want to touch on later. Um obviously we live in a world I I kind of mentioned this off the top as well that doesn't doesn't care about God. That uh that for the most part rejects God and doesn't consider that to be a serious idea. And mm-hmm. so especially for you John and your work writing especially, again, over the past 20 years, you've seen probably a tremendous amount of change. Um, it's only, yeah, it's only gotten worse in that regard. What's that been like to try and make persuasive arguments, truthful arguments as well, and kind of maybe the, the tension between both those points, I suppose, in a world that really has no respect or no time for God on yeah. any subject of the day? How's that, how do you approach that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, well, I would say, what the world needs is God and what we so often don't offer is God. Um, John Piper talked about how uh, the church is often trying to uh, get polite pagans. We we would like them to, you know, stop doing abortion, um, avoid pornography, uh, just stop burning things down in Portland. Um, <laughs> so those are all good things. Uh, yep. But that's that all comes out of um, I guess it's all surface. You can uh, stop burning things down and still go to hell. And so what people sometimes think I'm saying is that we all have to be ministers, uh, but I, what I'm saying is we all have to be evangelists. We all have to um, be God's people overtly and explicitly and unashamedly. and the world is telling us that we should be ashamed and that they don't care about God. and that why are you talking about him because they Really don't care about him, but he's what it's all about. So, um, I think maybe, maybe examples might be the best way to sort of talk about it. Yeah. Some practical yeah. stuff. Uh, I'm going to just pick one just because it's not a current hot topic, <laughs> but, but gay marriage. So sure. it's been the way it is for about 10 years now. But, um, I think I was doing a presentation down in Coaldale and together a whole bunch of, uh, women, it was, uh, I think a women's retreat. We came up with reasons to oppose gay marriage and we came up with things like, you know, it's not natural. Homosexuality is not natural. Um, we had one about how the gay, how the judges were forcing gay marriage on us. Um, that, uh, oh, I don't even know what, what, what are some of the other ones? Let's just hit those two. Uh, well family stability uh, maybe yeah uh most canadians were against changing marriage yeah so see mm. that one right there you can probably already see the problem with arguing that well are most canadians against it now so are we fine with it now no um th- we we got all these arguments finally somebody said well god's against it so we put that over here and I went through these arguments one by one. um gay marriage changes something that's been that way for thousands of years. okay. slavery has been going on for thousands of years, so must be good then. no, okay that that doesn't work so good. Homosexuality isn't natural. Well, monkeys do it. they're natural, you know lots of animals do it. It's natural. Sin is natural. yep um, hmm. the courts are forcing it on us. okay? well, then would we be fine if the the legislators force it on us. No, that's not that's not our real objection. So you just I went through all these and by the end of it, I think part of the audience was wondering if I was a gay activist or something because I just (laughs) beaten up all their arguments. But it was about how you present this. I'm not saying that the world is going to really respect it if you say God made marriage, he gets to decide what it is. I don't expect them to go, oh, that was so compelling, I'm I'm completely convinced now. But that's our ground floor. And yeah. if we never share our ground floor, how can we ever expect them to know God's truth? Yeah. But from there, from that firm foundation, we can say, and you know what happens if you uh, change from his standard, you, you end up with no standard at all. And all these crazy things happen. All these, you know, I mean, you're going to have people getting married to furniture or getting married to three people or... And, and you can build that all on top of the foundation instead of making that your argument by itself, because that argument by itself, Oh, three people get married. So what, you know, yeah, right, those yeah. don't stand by themselves. Um, so it's the same, uh, I've done a number of presentations on, on abortion through the years. And it's the same there too. Um, there's an ableist, uh, argument that pro life will often do there's a there's a um uh, have you seen that pro life video where they talk about how i think it was beethoven his mom was it was she was he was the eighth kid um his dad was abusive maybe it was bach i my music guys are all mixed up well, i but think the beethoven argument had they were- pretty rough life <laughs> Okay. Let's go with that. But the argument was essentially that you shouldn't have an abortion, even if you're in dire straits, even if you're, you know, you're, everything's running up against you. You think that your child is going to uh, be horribly ill or, or whatever. Um, but they might be Beethoven. You never know.
0: Mm, yeah. You're making, you're kind of conflicting there.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like the reason you should um, avoid abortion is because you might have Beethoven. Well, what if you know you're not having Beethoven? Nowadays, we have lots more technology. So how about if you know you have a Down syndrome child? Well, they don't have Down syndrome children in in Iceland anymore because they kill them all. Yep. So if you have this ableist argument, hey, we can't kill it because it has a heartbeat. Well, what are you also saying then? You're saying mm-hmm. that before it has a heartbeat, then... If that's if that's the measure, so so what's the real argument? Well, the real argument is that this child is made in the image of God, and its value comes from being in the made in the very image of his Creator. It's something we all share. It's the only basis for equality. There is nothing else, you know, that any of us are, are share in equal measure. Yep. Um, mm. So, and and if and if you don't do that, then you actually have no basis for worth other than abilities you know i mean why do they keep pretending that um women can be just as effective as a marine as as guys can because because they have that ableist assumption They they have to pretend that we're identical yeah yeah so we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry go ahead yeah. well
0: yeah i mean you've illustrated the point well it gets bananas pretty quickly when um you don't start with the fundamentals and so i guess that would be that'd be kind of the takeaway for people in terms of when you're making arguments yeah you have to be careful that you don't get like there's a place for for natural law or for, for secular arguments maybe but you have to start with the basis or you at least have to know your basis and it's worth saying the basis more often than we were probably inclined to do i suppose do mm. you um yeah i guess do you have any advice or any examples for how to how to simplify that and how to not make it like you know uh, like a two hour discussion on, uh, you know, the origins of the universe and, and God and to get all philosophical about it when you're just trying to argue a specific point, be it, you know, something more political, like, like abortion or gay marriage.
1: Right. Um, I think we don't have to convince them that God exists. So we don't have to go all, all in that direction. Yeah. We're actually just trying to clarify the debate for them. Um, right. I was in front of an abortion clinic and, uh, Guy found out, it's interesting here in uh, the US, we actually had the pro-choice and pro-life people just intermixed, so we're just talking it out in front of the abortion clinic. And uh, this guy finds out I'm a Christian and he says, oh, so you you believe in Noah and the flood and all that? That's like, yes, yes I do. And I said, and do you believe in equality? Well, yeah. I said, why? So, so, one of the approaches just get them to explain their views. Mm. And he said, I, I don't know. All right. Well, I said, I'm bigger than you. You might be faster than me. That person over there might be smarter, 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 smarter. What? 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 I said, opposite, opposite, opposite. i will made in God's image. And, and from there, this, 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 but he was, he was, he was, he was, he was um, we we had spoken God's truth, 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 truth. What God's going to do with that, I don't know. Um, I'm not trying to necessarily win him over in the instant. But the other discussion we would have had would have been entirely uh, run around in circles beside the point. Hmm. Um, so it's what people sometimes hear me say is you have to bring a Bible and you have to whack people upside the head. And what I'm saying is you just have to be unashamed. So. Find out what the real argument is. So, an abortion—it's where does our worth come from? Um, uh, transgender would be uh, who who made us, or or, or just simply that God made us male and female. Um, and then you can go from there. Uh, you know, with the transgender debate, we had this big thing about think of the children. You know, what 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 if some guy who says he's a woman ends up in the woman's washroom? And that was the leading argument for, for a good length of time. And then Target announced that they were going to make personal family-sized washrooms. They're going to start putting those in. Um, so they, they'd solved the, the washroom argument. Yeah.
0: And so now all mm-hmm. the Christians
1: said, okay, we're fine. Okay, good. Good on you. Well, no, we're not. We're not because we know that you're hurting yourself. We know that you're um, causing changes to the body that God gave you that you can't undo. We know that you're uh you're allowing children who have no idea what they're doing to do things that they should not be allowed to do. Um so we 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 skip the discussion altogether. We you start with God and all that other stuff stacks on top. Take take God stack on Jordan Peterson. Mm. Yeah. Right? right? But if you lead with Jordan Peterson, he doesn't stand up to the weight.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because you got you know, no you got no ultimate foundation that way. Yeah. It makes sense. makes
2: sense. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm curious, like you mentioned, like uh, getting together with a bunch of, you know, Christian women and, 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 you know, kind of parsing out an issue and I can appreciate that it's easy for at the end of the discussion for you to pull all those arguments apart, at least like, you know, historically, or like, if we go down the line, you know, this is going to fall apart and that's going to fall apart. So we need a basis to, to stand on. But then, yeah. Like there's, there's that end of it. And and as Christians, we can all agree. Okay. Now we have to, you know, admit what the actual issue is. But then when we get to talking to an unbeliever, just, you know, over the back fence, what does the practical, um, you know, breaking the ice kind of look like, like, how is there, is there a way that we can, you know, more easily bring, you know, God's name into something and, and not make it seem trivial at all and not make it seem like it's, you know, you trying to, to wump them over the head. Right. Like, right.
1: Yeah. Um, I have an easier out than you guys do. Uh, cause people ask me what I do. Um, uh, early on, I'd said I said I would tell them I work for a magazine and then I'm, I realized what am I, what am I doing? I'm not telling them I work for a Christian magazine. Right. So that's my lead in and that, that creates some openings right there. Um, Uh, uh, another opening, like there was a fellow years back in Canada, Sven Robinson uh, was a homosexual activist. And I appoint him as the most effective uh, Canadian politician in my my memory. Maybe there were some guys before that. Um, And no one would be surprised for him to bring the homosexual perspective to whatever issue was of the day. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's just Basically, how we have to live it out. Um, I'm showing off my. Uh, I told you my my Father's Day present here. Um, well, I have a whole series of pro-life shirts. Um, I wear them now because I am pretty confident with the discussion. I wore them early on because I wasn't. You, know, I I was scared of the conversation, but I could at least say something in passing. Board73.com. A lot of them that was all they all it said. Um, direct them to a website where where a discussion could be had, but. Nobody would be surprised that somebody wearing a shirt like that is pro-life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your lead in over the fence? Well, if somebody asks you about the meaning of life and you've got a cross hanging on your neck, then you got your lead in. Yeah. Right <laughs> they don't yeah. want to hear about God. They shouldn't ask.
2: Is it something but, that you just have to be conscious of? Or, or I know in business, we like to talk about, you know, have your elevator pitch ready. Cause you never know when you're going to get in an elevator with a guy that actually matters or. You know somebody who's going to ask you what you do and you really want to know you want to have a 30 second you know something to grab their their interests so, i mean yeah i've also heard people say well you know people ask you how are you or, or people ask you oh what do you do and, and a lot of times you go to you know you're talking about you know you know a little small talk about the weather and then you talk about your job well instead right. of doing that to say well i'm a christian and you know this I just, you know, that's just a it's just an abrupt entry into a conversation that they weren't really ready for, that I feel like maybe that's not even justified a justified stance from our end, but that's that's the the feeling we get anyway. So
1: Yeah, um you're not uh lurking, you know, ready to pounce, but I guess it's a little bit of a a, a understanding of what we have to offer. So I think a lot of the times, you know, with something like homosexuality, you see maybe some couple in the neighborhood and they're walking by and they seem very happy. And then you don't want to talk to them about homosexuality because what you think you have to offer is something that will make them unhappy. Like Mm. you're, you're all you have there to, to do is to rain on their parade. So. It's it's more about us understanding what God has to offer. These are two people who are perhaps very happy, but they're happy in a committed rebellion against God. So it's, it's uh, with transgenderism, the way that Christians so often come off is as if we're talking about our rights to say certain things. Oh, we're going to get shut out. We're going to lose our jobs. We're going to, mm-hmm. well, those are all important, but... We see somebody i mean, imagine it is somebody you know who's going off somewhere to get body parts cut off that's what you're well i don't know if I really want to talk to them about it, so it's it's understanding what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about abortion uh you know Aaron O'Toole just voted against a pro-life bill i you know I find it hard to fathom you have to respect your leaders and all that. But this is somebody who let's rephrase this. He does the same vote. And he says, I vote to kill grandmas. Well, he's a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have to understand it from the right perspective. And it's like, that's, that's when we speak to somebody about abortion, we're not trying to do anything other than save babies. And so then everybody needs to hear that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, many politicians also do the the killing grandma thing with uh, the other end of the spectrum as well.
1: Well well, yes. <laughs> exactly. So at the least they're
0: consistent, they want to kill everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least. Yeah, that's yeah, it
2: really comes down to I know you've written a bit about this. We, we maybe we can get into this now. I don't know if you got any else. Sure. Yeah, go um basically just what people's worldviews are. And it, well, you wrote a good article about what worldview actually is, and I thought it was interesting because we think we know what worldview is, but we don't really know anything about our worldview, other than like, you know, there's a lens there, but you don't often peel back and figure out what that lens is. And so I'm just curious because we talk like Aaron O'Toole too. Like, I mean, can you blame the guy for, for doing that? He's, he's got a reason it's, it's political. It's like, you know, where did he come from and, and what, what is, what lens is he looking through that makes him make that decision? And then I guess you mentioned the transgender or they um, like a gay couple walking down the street. Now that should, you know, deeply offend us as, you know, it's wrong. Like God said, this is wrong. And more and more, I feel like, you know, Christians aren't being offended by that. It's just, well, you know, like we've kind of come to live with it. And I guess that's kind of like just changing that lens that we're looking through, you know, slowly, slowly to the point where, you know, we're
0: not even going to really realize, but uh, maybe we can just dig into that. Like, Um, you want to just explain the article kind of go over what you, uh, what you wrote there and and kind of explain the the dog view and worldview sort of thing. Oh yeah. The worldview and the dog view.
1: Um, it was an article a few years back, um, where I tried to explain what a worldview was using dogs. It was uh, a somewhat self-reflective article because, um, I have, uh, not a strong affinity for dogs. They're not my favorite thing. Um, (laughs) I did see that so note at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So I've had uh, friends assure me that this dog is just, just very friendly, very loving, as it salivates, looking at me. So it was just about two people who had very strong, <laughs> strong dog views. One thought that all dogs um, were friendly and loving, and one thought that all dogs were uh, hateful and and uh, looking to devour every one of us. So then a dog comes bounding out of the bush um, licks one of them. And the fellow who thinks all dogs are friendly says, look, look, he's, he's, uh, really friendly. See just what I said. And the fellow says, ah, oh. the one who hates dogs says, yeah, he was actually just tasting me to see if I was, you know, his, his cup of tea and I wasn't. So that was the only reason he went off. All dogs are horrible. Um, so both of them saw the same event and they interpreted a different way because of their, their standing assumptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit of how we understand that evolutionists, the whole the whole kit and caboodle of them, they're not lying. They got the wrong worldview. I mean, sometimes that can involve lying, but it's not that we have you know millions of people around the world all committed to this lie. Yeah. It's that they're looking at things in a very different uh, perspective. If God is not that's their starting assumption, then how did this all come to be? Well, they got some really creative stories to explain it all. Um, but the problem is that they're starting assumptions uh preclude the supernatural. So they're they're starting off standing on air. Um so worldviews can be wrong. And that dog view one, you know, who was wrong, who was right? Well we know, you know, but uh sometimes it can be a little bit harder to figure it out until you push through it. And that's where we can uh help the world by pushing their worldviews to their logical destruction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely see it. I guess we, we gotta be aware of that in, in all of our conversations. Like you, uh, you had the example of like talking over the back fence sort of thing, and you don't want to be too abrasive. You don't want to hit them over the head with the Bible sort of, sort of type deal. But if you're on, uh, I wouldn't say on guard maybe, but just, just, I guess watching out for, uh, which uh, might be the same thing as on guard quite (laughs) honestly, but you know, sounds a little less harsh. Uh, but just, just being on the lookout for, uh, assumptions. You know, presuppositions. What are, so, so someone makes the case for, you know, transgender surgery for their 14 year old is loving and they're just gushing, gushing about that. And no, oh, yeah, my gender neutral son is going to go, or they wouldn't say son maybe, but they, whatever <laughs> they would say, you know, So yeah, I already canceled on my own podcast, but they, you know, they, they would, uh, they would be speaking out positively about that. And that would be an obvious, but easy sort of situation where you could see the presupposition that they think it's love. So, I guess you could you could push back in that regard. But do you have any other examples, uh, maybe a little more uh, complex and nuanced than
1: the one I just gave you in terms of how to spot worldviews? Yeah, w- well, I guess the thing is, we c- kind of think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And uh, it's just it's just getting worse mm-hmm. and worse. And I guess I would uh, stay. we have greater and greater opportunities. It's becoming easier and easier for us to have these discussions, because if you go to work, at a, at a non-Christian workplace now, and um, your boss comes out and address, your, your male boss comes out and address, now you have an opportunity. Now somebody might say, now you got a horrible situation. Yeah, that too, but you got an opportunity and, and you can't help but stand for God there. You might not have been up for it, but it's come to you and, and as long as you don't duck, you're gonna be professing God's truth now in this case um you know how how would you deal with something like that uh, you, maybe you can use his given name to show that you're being polite. He, Fred now wants to be called Frederica, well Frederica it is. But yeah. I'm not going to call him her. I'm going to call Frederica. Here's Frederica's purse. Can you pass it to Frederica? <laughs> it to
0: yeah. Yeah. No. Oh yeah, right, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't know maybe like as a broader trend sort of thing, so we have a bit of a, a confluence of generations here, so I would be on the older end of Gen Z, your younger end millennial ty and then you would be I'm guessing Gen X, right, John i I don't even know, yeah, yeah, somewhere in the just, seven somewhere in the, above. somewhere in above. the seventies, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, oh, I wasn't gonna call you a boomer or anything, don't worry, but, yeah. yeah. You're not you're not that old. no just kidding. But ha- you mentioned it was easier now. You found to have these conversations. Is that just because it's more and more obvious that these things are when when a society moves away from God, it embraces activities that are um, just you know, also obviously on their face self defeating or or harmful. Like especially in the transgender uh, debate and situation when you have you know a physical like biological males competing in, uh, in female sports and, and wreaking havoc there. Do you think that's kind of, uh, the opportunity there, or also I would maybe add this too. I think among, among people in my generation, at least there's just way less knowledge in terms of, they don't even know what Christianity is in, in large part, I would say like, there's still kind of this, you know, background sort of knowledge, perhaps some trickle down effect, but, uh, so many people have grown up in homes that, that aren't Christian. So, I think, at least from my perspective, I would see that as potentially the opportunity. But what do you think, as someone who spends every day in the trenches on this issue?
1: Yeah, it, the the contrast there, there isn't a lot of uh, you know milk toast Christians anymore. You're you're yeah. either actually Christian or you've left long ago. Um, so that creates opportunities. It also it also eliminates any confusion. Um, so there are opportunities with that. But it it really is. Uh, Roger has this book, "Lived Not by Lies." Um, it's he, he he in it. He's basically recounting um, stand in the communist countries where people would resist the government by at least not perpetuating the lie. It's kind of a minimal standard because you're still not presenting the truth, um, mm-hmm. but at least you're not going along with the lie. And so that's what we're being asked of here with uh, the unborn with uh with transgenders with with homosexuality with gay marriage um we're being asked to go along with the lie and now you're working at uh you know in the us it was pride month uh here in canada now it's pride season that was they wanted to go <laughs> even farther you have drag queens on kids shows it's it's clear it's there's a battle going on it's clear there's recruitment any christians who are Sort of wondering what's going on. Um, now this can be offered to them, and there still are lots of sincere Christians who are confused about what's going on. But that's where we can help them along. Uh, God's never made it clear. One of the topics we we thought we you uh, brought up was global warming. Yeah, it sounds it sounds weird, um, but unless you're going to go into all the science about it, it's sort of hard to to. Um, clarify that to somebody who hasn't lived all the ups and downs of the climate climate debate. Now I'm, I'm the older guy here. (laughs) Um, But transgenderism, the way that that lie has just been adopted, I can talk to somebody who's 20 and say, you know what? People just flat out adopt lies sometimes like just flat out. Everybody knows it's wrong and we're still going to swallow it. So now I can at least get them to, to consider something, even though everybody's saying one thing over here. Mm. Well, you know what? Sometimes everybody's saying something and you still know it's crazy. So there it it creates opportunities. God is making half of the argument before you even opened your mouth. Everybody knows the guy going to the Olympics right now, doing the weightlifting is as a, as a woman is not a woman. There's no 41 (laughs) year old is going to be able to compete in weightlifting at the Olympics. Unless something crazy is going on, something Mm -hmm. crazy is going on.
0: She or he has been on testosterone her whole life as a male. (laughs) It's not complicated. Straight.
2: So, how much of that, like, I'm just trying to think practically. Like, how much should we, as as Christians, insulate ourselves from the worldview that's being put out there, and how much should we, you know, dive into it, and then, you know, even maybe further than that, pursue people who, you know, have this terrible worldview um, on, you know, a host of issues. Like I think that maybe from the younger generation, it, there seems to be a, a, a drive to, to get out there and to try to influence change. Like we got, we have all sorts of initiatives through ARPA and stuff like that. But then also just, there seems to be that inside our churches that, you know, we want to get out a, a very missional mind mindset, like, you know, get in front of people who are, are not like you. Um, whereas, you know, Maybe some of our tendency or, you know, I can speak for myself, like my tendency would be more to, you know, for my kids, just, you know, withdraw a little bit from that culture and not, you know, like Blue's Clues, you don't want to watch Blue's Clues anymore. That's pretty easy. You just don't watch it. Like, right. You don't, you don't expose your kid to that. And so that they can go out and, you know, and then, you know, find somebody like that and find a drag queen to evangelize to. But (laughs) You know, there's a little bit of a balance. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you can speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, so it's, it's a mix. You're, you're going to have to bring your children up to be able to contend with this world. But yeah, blues clues is out. Um, And, and if you got cable TV now, one of the things uh, Jonathan Marin uh, said in your previous podcast was, he says, you can't flip through the channels anymore. You know you' got fifty channels. There's something obscene on you know probably a half dozen of them at least going on right now. If your family has a clicker and your kids know how to use it, you're you're setting that up. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of culture we live in. If we're protecting our kids, then let's get at protecting our kids. But you know our schools can be part of this uh, we got we gotta start lobbing practice grenades in schools. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. I, I was part of an edcom and a school board uh, combined that period with seven years. We we're trying to get apologetics going. It's tough because none of us are experts at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got we got some going, but it's um, it's what is uh, the grads at our school feel very prepared to go to university, but they they're still not as uh, prepared as they'd like to be able to speak. Um, And the way you got to get to that is you got to have somebody tearing you down in school. Mm. You need some practice with that. But your parents should be doing it, too. So practice on the way. Um, Are you going to go evangelize to uh, the transgender guy? I'd say it's it's coming to us. You know, the uh, Randy Alcorn in one of his books speaks to how they're doing pro-life ministry. Um, They got protested. Uh, They went out. I might might have this mixed up. It might have been another group. It might have been homosexuals. But but basically, whatever ministry they're doing, had a protest group outside. Great. They came to church. We got coffee. We got donuts. We got time. You know, um, one of the things that struck me with COVID is the congregations that the moment they could had outdoor drive-in church. Well, if I'm looking for a church that's that that's going to strike. I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, if I got questions, I know where to go. These guys want to worship God. I got questions now. I know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really is. You, you got the bright light, um, put up the, put up the, uh, pro-life, uh, placard in your lawn, um, get the bumper sticker and just let them come to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's up. an interesting point.
2: Yeah. I, I'm yeah, that education, like bringing it into the classroom is, is interesting. I'm I'm a little bit conflicted because you, you said that grads are ready to go to go to university, but they're not really ready to speak, which is which is I think it's a really interesting point. Like, I don't think I was ready when I went to university, but I don't think that university when I went there was at the point it is now where like, you know, there was a transgender or cross-dressing, you know, guy at Mac that everyone just found and put in every promotional video that McMaster ever made, because it was just a thing like, but it wasn't really that you had to address it. It wasn't, it wasn't in your face. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like people were approaching you being like, wow, you don't like this guy. Like, but now, like if you had something like that happen, the, the common feeling would be if, if you have discussed on your face, then you are the, the, you know, lone one out. And then you have to be able to articulate yourself a little bit because you can't just go hide in in your own little corner, right? Like it's, yeah, it kind of comes to you. Like, so being able to present like high school, at least high school age kids with something that, you know, is confrontational
0: in those, I think that would be really important. Like, I don't know what that would look like again, but. Do yeah. you have educators um, like principals and whatnot and, and people who write curriculum coming to you or, or asking, asking you for advice on this kind of stuff. Cause it, I mean, obviously we've seen a move so quickly over the last, especially five to 10 years again specifically on the trans issue. Um, are people, yeah, are parents or teachers having a hard time to keep up?
1: Yeah, that's not, uh, I will have teachers occasionally, uh, send a note that says they appreciate this article or that, or, or something's being used in the class. And I always appreciate that. But, um, other than the school, other than our school, I don't really have a, insiders look, Um, especially with COVID. We were going to a whole bunch of different schools, but uh, it's been two years now since we did our last speaking tour. So
3: Hmm.
1: um, there, there are a few schools who are doing the curriculum. The interesting part about it is we've had this chat. There's different sorts of apologetics. And I'd say that a lot of the times we got up, we get caught up trying to prove uh, our ground floor, we get trying to, Hey, somebody doesn't believe in God. So I'm going to um, give them 10 reasons to believe in God. Well, God says that everybody knows he's ex- exists. That's Romans one, right? So I think we just got to offer clarification. This is what God's stand is. Oh, but I don't believe in God. Okay. You know what? If you don't believe in God, here's all this crazy stuff that happens.
3: Yep, Yeah. Right.
1: So mm. I, you don't have to be convinced. I'm just sharing
0: yeah definitely mm. have you seen uh we spent a bit of time talking with Mike Hutton mm. about critical
1: race theory. Have you done any uh work writing on critical race theory at all? yeah uh not as of yet because uh whatever definition of critical race theory you use, people say you're using the wrong one mm. so uh, yeah isn't that with all definitions nowadays yeah <laughs> it, it's a little bit yeah that's where i I try and Make sure I got a good grounding before I mm. uh, step out. I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's a tricky part of that that whole uh, ideology and line of thought is it. It tries to weaponize words as well. So it's uh, yeah. They'll uh, they'll use that against you for sure. But okay, that will that would be an interesting topic for for some point down the road. I think uh, yeah. Vodi Balcom actually has a good book out on that fault lines. If you're interested. Uh, got it mm. over there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, I read that one and that was really, really helpful, I think. Okay. We'll, we'll move on from, from critical race theory. We'll have to dive into that again. I, I guess you mentioned, uh, you mentioned environmentalism and climate change at one point there. Uh, we can jump into that. You've done a bit of writing on, on that topic. Um, In, in preparation for this, when we were going back and forth, I thought it would be an interesting one of the topic and, and, and sorry, an interesting topic to tackle and I thought maybe there might be a bit of a generational gap on this, on this issue as well, because at least you see that in polling data uh, broadly across society where older folks tend to be a lot more skeptical of climate change, whereas younger people uh, generally accept it. So is this uh in line with, with people accepting like the trans lie in your mind, or is there, is there some merit to this, this case of climate change?
1: So there are conclusions that that uh or or stands that follow a belief in uh catastrophic climate change let's put it Mm -hmm. let's clarify it's the climate is always changing but uh that we're nearing a tipping point and the conclusions that follow from that are that man is a problem man's a curse on the earth that the solution is to have less of us um and that uh all those people who are having large families are are uh, hurting us all. So those conclusions we can categorically say are wrong. That that they're so. So now if if what led to them is is unlinkable, is uh, if you can't break the link between the two, if they if they're both, if it's a logical outworking of it, then we can say, well, climate change isn't going to be a concern. God says families are a blessing. If uh, climate change, if if uh, CO two is linked to large families and then we can just say it's not a it's not a thing we don't need to worry now those two things don't have to be linked you can do nuclear power you can do uh, you know sort of uh, these uh, sunlight and wind but not not so much but <laughs> you can do nuclear so it's not you can't rule out the argument from a biblical perspective absolutely but you can rule out about 90 percent of the hike. You can say God made us an Earth. Uh, we're not going to uh, ruin it by doing as he commanded, which is be fruitful and multiply. Our kids do come with a, you know CO2 footprint. Um, so that's so long as those two things are tied. We don't need to worry about that. God said to do this thing. Let's get at it. Uh, let's have big families. Let's stop viewing people as a as a curse. Let's start realizing that God equipped us not just with mouths to feed, but with hands to work and a brain to come up with creative solutions. Um, you know, this is where the older gray heads um, have seen this all before. 1970s, uh, a a guy who's still not discredited to this day, Paul Elric said, we were going to be starving by the 80s and Great Britain was gonna be having food riots um, due to overpopulation. Um, And so people stopped having kids. The people would actually uh, stop having families to protect the the planet. Well, it was all garbage. Um, Norman Borlaug comes along, Green Revolution, brilliance. brilliant mind figures out how to get more food. Uh, on the same amount of space um, that's that's a reflection of God's creativity I don't know whether he's a Christian or not but we're not just mouths to feed we are um, God gave us the ability to mirror him in his creativity uh, hmm. this this is one of those ones where uh, a fellow Julian Simon is uh, I don't think he was a Christian either but he he noted this he made some bets About how things would get cheaper, which would only happen if you figured out how to how to make them more abundant. The greatest resource on Earth is our brains, not you know fuel or coal, you know what all those are. Uh, One example from my brother-in-law, he he was sharing this. It used to be that farmers used uh, sawdust to bed their cows. Keep the ground clean. They used it because it was. just junk basically from the mills. They were, they would love to get rid of it. So they use that for bedding for their cows. Well, then those creative mills figured out a way to get it to pay. You could compress them, you could make wood pellets, you could sell them. Well, these farmers had to find out something else to use for bedding. So they figured out a way to cook the cow poop to create bedding <laughs> for the cows. Really? So these guys literally turned manure into bedding. It was a, a waste. Well, I mean, they put on their fields, but it was a waste product yeah. and they turned it into bedding for themselves. It wasn't a resource until someone's brain came in, mm, right? Yeah. So this is the thing. When you view God's people, when you view his created works as, uh, as genius, if you appreciate how we are made in God's image, you don't view us as a curse. You, you expect something wonderful to happen and and mm-hmm. there it is. So you can proceed even in the seventies when it looked like maybe we're going to lead to food shortages. You can say, "No, God's got it. Something will happen. Don't know what." Oh, hey, Norman Warlock. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So
0: so broadly, okay, yeah, rely on, you know, God's promises and the fact that we're made in his image and we have that that human ingenuity as well. Interesting. Yeah, do you yeah. do you get any pushback on that though, like from from people, from readers at all? Because there is such a strong environmental movement. I mean, it's essentially a cult, a lot of it. But you see, uh, what was the uh, Greta uh, Thunberg? Thunberg, Yeah, Yeah, that whole tour and and stuff like that. There's definitely a lot of media pressure behind movements like that. Is it worth uh, for Christians to do more research into looking into the science? Or are you just saying that, like, just don't worry about it. It's not that big of an issue.
1: Um, It's going to be uh it well it was a big issue then we got COVID, so yeah know. the <laughs> emergency <laughs> went away we found a yeah. new one yeah sort of a lot of those i mm-hmm. think god is helping us out here too because uh we were talking about a tipping point you know two or three years ago two or three years ago they're saying in 12 years it's all going to it's all going to tip over the edge and catastrophic and the whole world will be over um Wonderful. Thank you. You put an end date that's, that's coming close. Now we can see you for the liars that you're going to be. You've done this before. Um, It's been really hard to massage, you know, work through all that data because we're not all uh, climatologists, Uh, but now you put an end date. Okay, cool. So when it doesn't happen, then, then anybody who goes along, well, you're being foolish, Mm, but it is, that's a hard one to clarify in the science, just for the same reason that we're all confused about, you know what's COVID? What's what's going on with all that? How deadly is it? How serious should we take it? You hear conflicting things coming at you from every side, so that that is why I, what I've written on it, I have taken a specifically biblical perspective. That hasn't that hasn't allowed me to uh, parse it to the total end. What what I said to you is so long as um, it's tied. You know, so long as children are tied to CO2, they don't have to be. So maybe, maybe it is coming. Maybe some bads is coming and we got to turn to nuclear. Okay. That's possible, but yep. we don't need to stop having kids.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't need to take the, uh, the bad along with the good
1: or yeah. the change yeah. that can happen. Yeah. I guess it's the
2: solutions that are proposed from that worldview. That's the problem. Like the, the view that it's, you know, we're the problem, but we're also the solution and, you know, here's how you can be the solution. I mean, it practically doesn't even work because we're just a small, you know, portion of the population that, you know, cares, you know, China, India, they don't seem to, you know, right. put too much stock in it because they're trying to find food and not, you know, you know, worrying about the, the, the big issues of our day, which is, you know, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. seem very trivial when you're actually in dire straits, but yeah, it's that's, that's
0: interesting. Do you see, uh, like, again, in reference to your shirt there, you have that shirt on for people who are listening says actually you stand up for a second it says dinosaurs established day six that's uh john's father's father's day present as you mentioned earlier <laughs> do you think evolution uh the whole evolution creation debate is somewhat in a similar vein in terms of it's not worth i mean like it's interesting and, and worth digging down into the science if that's something you're into but at a certain point you just have to um you just have to trust god i guess at risk of sounding too simplistic with that
1: yeah. Um, I am, uh, kind of a questioner by nature. Uh, it's, uh, that helps me in my job, but also, uh, causes me problems sometimes. Yeah. But so I've, I've asked God pretty much every question and gotten caught up in evolution, got worried by it. Um, again, I'll say we live in a wonderful time because it's never been clear that there is no evolutionary explanation for the origins of life so there's all other aspects of it but just at the starting spot Uh, and the more we learn you know i think dawkins has an illustration of mountain probable you know if you got this big mountain sheer face you say well how could we ever get to the top of that mountain and then he points to the back and there's little steps all the way up He says, well, you know, mountain probable one step, you can't do it. But, you know, you can do anything if you take it in a little bit of chunks. So that's what he says evolution does with the origins of life. Well, no, you you break down every little step. And it turns out each one of those is a mountain probable. Every one of them is impossible. And it's the evolutionists who are saying it. (laughs) Um, So the more it's the more we learn. This is this is what is so fun about being God's people is we serve an infinite God. And so you can count on it that you're not going to run out of things to explore and wonder at. Um, we keep digging down further into the cell, and there's just no end to the discoveries. There's no end to the complexity and beauty of what's been designed. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a semi-science guy, like I got some university science, but I'm not, I'm not a scientist guy, I only get the gist of these books that I'm reading. I get like 80% of it. It's an awesome 80%. Like, yeah, so, yeah it, it, it's very fun. Um, intelligent design guys have interesting uh, uh, stuff to follow. They, they have very professional presentation. They don't buy into six days necessarily. Some intelligent guy design guys do, but um, they're helping us just see the wonder of God's creation. Uh, it, it's what was confusing, you know, in 1880, just really isn't now um yeah that's not to say that's not to say there's no no uh difficult parts or anything like that but
0: yeah um do you have any concrete examples you can think of off the, off the uh, top of your head in terms of recent uh discoveries or or findings that show uh, evolution as a very poor let's say at best explanation for the origin of life
1: um i i'll say uh the, the book Stairway to Life is is one I, I would recommend, but just there's an experiment that's been going on for 20 or 30 years using E. coli bacteria and um, the, this is now touted as kind of the evidence for evolution because uh, this bacteria evolved a new ability and I, I, as a guy who just follows the gist, um, What's interesting about it is this is their best example of evolution, and it's evolved an ability that essentially to digest something in I think it was an anaerobic environment that it could previously do in an aerobic environment what it what it evolved the ability to do is the off switch broke it, it used to only do it in one environment now does it in both <laughs> um, that's their best example of Evolution, something broke. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like so evolution <laughs> Well, that's just it. It's it's de-evolution and and it's still a coli. Like it's it's the same thing. And this is forty five thousand generations later. Something insane like that. Yeah. So I, I shouldn't say that it's all just really easy. We're talking about sort of setting off practice scrimmage in high school. Um, one one of the things. One of, the, one of the ones I'd love to do is a chapter in Richard Dawkins' book, The Greatest Show on Earth, where he gives five examples of, of evolution happening today. And one of them, the first one is uh, elephant tusks uh, are getting shorter. And, and he explains that the poachers shoot all the elephants with long tusks. So surprise, surprise, the only ones around left are the ones that only grow short tusks. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that is uh, a type of evolution. Yeah. Change over time. You, you've got a change in the population, but it's one that's totally in accord with anything creationists believe too. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he works through and he, he goes through five examples. And as he does, they get harder to kind of understand and fully explain. And I think by the time he gets to the fifth one, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I, I had no idea how to explain it. And I thought that would be like the perfect presentation. Here's Here's somebody pitching you five, and we got answers for four. And, and and maybe number four isn't even entirely satisfactory. But, you know, there are answers. They're not, but you aren't going to have all the answers. Mm, yeah. And, and you know what? In 1880, they had none of these, and they still loved the Lord, and they are right to do so. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that would be kind of the best way to sort of throw off a practice grenade is don't don't pretend everything's got this nice little bow on it. You can tie up and everything's easily answerable. It isn't. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. are blessed to live in a time where we have way more answers than we used to.
2: Yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah that's I'm curious about this, the scientific method. And, and, you know, obviously science has been changing like like tons and It's also becoming something that no one can really explain because, you know, science doesn't really mean science anymore. But, you know, a lot of us are those 80 percent people that just follow, you know, follow something. I mean, maybe we're a little bit, you know, intense compared to the average people, but we follow follow science. We'll follow like, you know, the developments in climate research or the follow the developments in, uh, you know, we're going to the moon and we're going to Mars and we're going. Whatever Elon Musk is doing lately. Yeah, exactly. But so obviously science is taking, you know, science seems to always be pushing. I say science in you know, a loose sense, I guess, but, um, I'm curious, maybe, maybe not over your lifetime, but have you experienced something where like prior to, you know, people pushing and pushing and pushing science, Christians were uh, hesitant to go there. Like, were Christians hesitant to, you know, search the moon out or, or are we afraid to, to do something like that? And then where does that meet? Um, the ethics of it, like you know creating a super virus just to see if we can do it, you know, uh not saying covid's that, but um, there's obviously advancements that get beyond what we should maybe be you know digging into um but obviously digging into the the world, you know there's always something more and cool to find about God's creation, so how do Christians
1: like parse those out, yeah, um. There's uh, there's a, a, a it, I guess there's a line right where we have uh, research going on with um, human animal hybrids. So that's a kind of obvious mm-hmm. example where uh, people are going where they should not. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of fuzzier areas, and I would say that one one is you you just got to know you got to be in God's word. But sort of the operating aspect is, if you if in doubt, then you know you shouldn't do it. And and the and the reason that's a good general rule is, if you don't know if this is something that glorifies God, and you do it, you aren't doing it to glorify God. Hmm. So that <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but it, it gets so, into like, don't
2: seek out the secret things of God, like that that kind of a mentality. But then if we hadn't, you know, or if someone hadn't developed a microscope and really tried to understand, and you know, maybe Mars is the same thing, but you might be going to Mars for the wrong
1: reasons. Like, I don't know. Right. So with what I, with what I just said, it's not a roadblock to inquiry. Like Mm. it might mean that you just have to do a little bit more digging, thinking, questioning, you know, discussing with people, but it's just, that that's one thing. Hey, you know what? Uh um, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking of an example where they're taking one guy's head and putting it on somebody's body. Um, should we be doing this? Well, if 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 you don't know, then <laughs> that would not be a good way to proceed. You gotta be, you gotta have some confidence before you do that. Um but as far as like the microscope and all that, it is the expectation of discovering wonder that drove science for so many of these guys, you know, a few hundred years ago. It was uh, understanding the character of God that drove them to want to to seek out these things. And, and you know, seeking out the, the secret things of God is just don't don't I guess don't presume you're going to ever know all the gods up to, because he ain't God.
3: Hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, these guys, if you live in a random universe, if you live in a world that came about by chance with no intent, no direction, um, why would you expect um, there to be so much wonder to uncover? This is, we had junk DNA. I don't know if you guys even remember that phrase, but but this is from uh, 20 years back. They just ruled out a vast part of human DNA and they just said it was junk DNA, Leftover from evolution doesn't really code for anything. So we don't expect it to do anything because that's just a just a remnant from evolution. Hmm. Well, creationists didn't expect that. Creationists thought, well, God's just not gonna leave like 80% of our genome to trash. Yeah. I wonder what it does. Hmm. Well, that's a way better question. And that's so so in some ways, really, evolution is a science stopper. You, you're presuming things are going to be kind of crappy. Um, but if you presume that they're going to be genius, then let's figure this out. How does that bird fly? You know?
2: Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. <laughs> I never thought of that. Is in terms of like an argument for evolution. Like,
1: well, okay. into
2: it almost unproves it. So, I'll I don't
0: it. it. Uh, okay. I'll push back on that. I don't think that's quite true. <laughs> because if you were an evolutionist, you would say, well, okay, it's evolving and natural selection is at play. And things are getting better and better and better and better. So we want to study it to see what processes are at work and how is it improving? Mm, no?
1: Yeah. Well, except all the examples that they ever give are ones in which it's not improving.
2: That's but, fair. That's fair. Yeah, the interesting yeah. Uh, interesting <laughs> argument, I, I feel like on the science end of it, but also on like the, I don't know, like Jordan Peterson's end of it, where he says, you know, these were stories that came along from years and years and years ago, you know. Why are we just thinking about it now? Why didn't we, why don't we already know how we got here? Like, are we just trying to figure out like science just came along or why wouldn't we, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, why wouldn't we know when wouldn't, uh, wouldn't we act in a way that would show what we were, I don't know. Okay. That's <clears throat> Yeah, I don't something know if that's something a que- for a new
0: episode. Yeah, I don't know if that's a question so much as just... Uh, I might have a guest for Evolution. We'll find it. Yeah, Evolution would be a good one as well. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay, well, we've got a couple more topics to hit still. I was thinking, um, do you want to touch on the media, I guess? You interviewed Marvin Alaski. He is a uh, a Christian a journalist and, and writer, I believe for World Magazine. That's where he's at, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. And mm. so you, uh, you interviewed him. Do you want to just give folks uh, kind of the gist of that interview and then we'll kind of delve into current state of media, yeah. maybe hit some of the topics we hit with, uh, with Jonathan last episode?
1: Right. I think I should clarify that I did not interview Marvin Alasky. I interviewed his book, uh, which is now making me realize I should uh, hopefully that line is big enough in there. Oh, that, OK. Yeah. You wrote of sorts and I was like,
2: yeah, but then it's laid out very, uh, very much like an interview. And I think you did a really yeah. good job pulling it out. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. <laughs> no, it's a fun. It's a fun way to do a book review. Um, uh, you just pull out the passages from from it. Okay. Um, but Marvin hmm. Alaski is uh, a former communist who came to God. And just if if anybody in your listening audience doesn't know about him, World Magazine is the best example of Christian journalism that I know. Um, in Canada, it was Alberta Report, BC Report, Western Report with uh, Ted Byfield. But that has been gone for a couple decades now. Um, World Magazine, yeah, still at it, and they are—they started from a Presbyterian background. Uh, I don't know if Marvin Alasky was, but it's—it's he, it's like he's become so. It's—it's um, it's somewhat generally conservative, uh, Christian conservative, but it, if it's in its particulars, it's—it comes out as reformed often. So uh, worldmag.com highly recommended. Hmm. Um, they, they have a mission to graduate, uh, journalists for other organizations. So, uh, I went to one of their world, I forget what it's even called now, world journalism Institute. Um, one of the board members, um, Marty Vandriel did as well. Anybody out there interested in journalism should track down world journalism Institute. It's like a three week course, usually in some cool place like New York or Washington. Um, and for pretty minimal, pretty minimal thing, I, I was taking classes in the basement of the Empire State Building. You know, it'd be nice if you're taking in the top of the Empire State <laughs> thing,
0: <so. laughs> That's a premium price up there. Yeah. That's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But three weeks in New York is pretty cool. And uh, in a, in a sense, all these guys are learning stuff we already knew. They were really learning that uh, Christian worldview impacts everything because God is the God of everything. Um, which was absolutely new to a lot of these guys, but uh, it, it's reinforced from page to page. That's, that's what we try and do with the uh, RP, but we got six issues a year. They got, I don't know, 30 or 40.
0: So yeah, yeah. big, big team there. Interesting. And does he have any thoughts? Uh, like, I don't know when this book came out exactly, but on the transitional media as well, alternative media, mainstream media, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 mean, it's popping up. Just, just, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know on that one.
0: No, not off the top of your head. Eh? Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's we talked about it a bit with Jonathan too. Obviously, the the changing times and whatnot, and the dangers of alternative media, and also of mainstream media, and how that that's uh, kind of seems to be dying as well. So, I guess that kind of comes back to the worldview thing in terms of be aware of of your media source and. Know your authors like Jonathan mentioned and to kind of uh yeah just be be discerning and have critical thinking when uh, when you approach well, your
1: media. I'll mm-hmm. add one thing to that is that today we are the media. Like I, I'm not saying that because I'm an editor. I'm saying that because I have my own Facebook page and and whatever. yeah If you're forwarding something on uh the harm caused by Christians who are forwarding on things that aren't true. Um you know let your yes be yes let your no be no. So speak truth. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're passing on Fox News because it says the thing that you wanted it to say about COVID, um, well, I'll say I've had so many awesome stories that I was just aching to write ruined by the facts. You know, I I go past the Fox News story, start finding out where they got their stuff. And it's like, it's not confirmable. I don't know that it's false. I just Mm -hmm. can't know that it's true. Yep. And um, so people are a lot more sure of their uh, convictions than they really have of of their news findings and they really have the right to be. Hmm. And so long as you're hmm. passing it on, you got to know, you got to know that it's so.
2: Hmm. That's really hard because a lot of people, you know, the social media thing happens in the moment. So you see something, you're like, ah, share, <laughs> And it's like that, that snap decision. That's not, you know, now you're spreading the, uh, you're spreading the lie. And yeah, like you said, you don't, you don't necessarily know it's not true, but, and yeah. it's just hard to know that, it's, that it is, for sure.
0: So, did, did you yeah. happen to watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix? No. No? no? Okay. That's a, it's a whole documentary from um, – it has like – I don't know if it's the – well, not the founder of Facebook. That'd be Zuckerberg. But a whole no, bunch a, of – Yeah, executives. Like uh, social media executives. Top – yeah, tech executives from Silicon Valley. All mm-hmm. the guys who were like involved in – starting Google and Facebook and, and, and uh, all these different like Pinterest and whatnot mm-hmm. and who are writing the algorithms and who are now speaking out saying like, this is a big issue. Like it's a, a massive time suck. It's, it's, uh, it's hurting our culture. It's hurting our lives mm-hmm. and our families and all that kind it's of basically stuff. basically built to, built, built as a drug basically. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, just yeah. maybe as a recommendation, I guess while we're on here, that's
1: uh, not worth uh, checking yeah. out, I think. No, I know. So I, I watched uh, uh, something off Netflix by the director. Um, I, I think like it, it's interesting being on the other side of it, trying to use these social media to get the message out. Mm. Cause um, if we had been giving RP out for free 10 years ago, uh, we would be phenomenally better off than we are today because by the time we started, the distribution channel was Facebook. People didn't type in reformperspective.ca. 10 years ago, you you typed in, you know, ESPN.com or Fox News or whatever. Mm. We don't do that anymore. Um, and so long as we don't, they control us. So long as we don't. So, you know, those book tabs or whatever, you know, old fashioned uh, bookmarks that we had on our websites, um, so long as you don't direct it, they're directing you. And uh, hmm. it, it's weird being on the other side of it because I can have the most fantastic article and because I can't jump through the right hoops on Facebook, I can't get their approval for something. Um, like seven people see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas if I can jump through the right hoops and phrase it just right, then thousands of people see it. Well, yep. those mm-hmm. thousands are interested. They've already said they're interested in RP. Why don't they just go to RP?
3: Yeah, right.
0: But it's uh, it's all passive now, eh? Hmm. Yeah. 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 Let it come to you. Culture for sure. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. I think we got one more article we had on our list that we wanted to chat with you about. Um, this We're is- definitely the experts on this one. It's about women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super <laughs> experts. <laughs> well, uh, John's the expert. He wrote the piece right. and uh, it's called yes. uh, yeah, the Proverbs 31 wife is not a superwoman. So maybe if you want to talk about that first off, just to kind of explain your position, explain the piece and then yeah. we'll get into it a bit.
1: So that's that's one of the fun things I get to do as an editor. Um, sometimes I ask the writer to tackle the question that's gonna come up. And, and in this case, I tackled it. Um, so Reverend Bauman uh, wrote something on, I think it was the Proverbs 31 woman, it might've been Titus as well. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it was gonna come, it was like, come on, is that lady realistic, the Proverbs 31 woman? Uh, you're telling us to aspire to be like her, And isn't this just too much? Um, But surrounded by uh, women who are involved in the school, who are taking care of their families, who are using their creative energies, this, that, and the other way. Um, No, it's not not unrealistic. Um, are, Are people gonna fall short of it? Yes, women are gonna fall short of the Proverbs 31 woman. And I am going to fall short of the goals I had at the beginning of the day, too. I, I could have been more productive. But I could have put my nose to the grindstone harder. I could have used my brain a little better for this or that. And at the end of the day, I can say, Lord, please forgive my sins. And then I have another day to start off again. So Proverbs 31 is the goal. It's, it's an ideal. It's, it's an example. The best, uh, best thing I've ever seen on this was Harma Mae Smith's article in Reform Perspective. On the Proverbs thirty one woman, that is such a treat. She did. Uh, uh, she plumbed the depths. Um, I, I'm just hitting the hitting the highlights.
0: I right, know. Oh. Well, we'll have to link it, I guess, uh, in the description mm-hmm. for this podcast. Yeah. But yeah, do you do people? What what kind of inspired that piece? Did you get a sense that people thought that was an unrealistic uh, expectation?
1: google Proverbs 31 woman and about a half the articles that you find will be like this is nuts nobody's like this
2: yeah right yeah huh. yeah i want to link that article it's it's interesting how you put how you put it very practically like uh laid out like in you know real language that you know we understand <laughs> you know what it's like to uh sell garments and you know be in the marketplace or whatever it uh whatever it sell it says things yeah. but um, I'm I'm kind of curious how that ties back to, I mean, guess more broadly, like we're hoping to have a, a conversation about women in the church and and you know wh- how how women have been viewed, also the culture, but then like how we engage or have women engage in in roles in the church. So I I was just curious at a high level, like um, how you think we're doing in that, and then. Maybe some recommendations for somebody, or maybe not someone I have on, but some questions to ask somebody if we have a, a guest on for the topic.
1: Yeah. I, it's always a, a tough topic in a certain sense because uh, feminism has told so many lies that you kind of want to break them down. But um, the truth is not the opposite of the feminist stance. That, hmm. That's not what God's telling us. That's not how you figure out God's truth. So um, what what's really at it, um, that we're both made in God's image and God made us differently. So the world, th- that's where the world's lie comes in. Where does your worth come from? Your worth comes from, well, if it's not, it's not in God's image. Again, it's this ableist thing. Anything you can do, I can do better, or at least as well. So why are women, men's equal? Because um, they can do anything that guys can do. Okay. So is a woman able to do a good oratory off of a pulpit uh, and explain something so that the rest of us can understand? Yes, for sure. Skills are there. We we can find lots of people who can do that, but the calling's not there. So uh, it's also not there for you. Well, like maybe it is for you guys. I know for a fact it's not for me. I, it's come and gone. Yeah. <laughs> you guys might still find that that's your calling. But uh, for a lot of us, it's not. It's. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, gender. So it's not this big, big uh, diminishment to say that somebody's not called to be a pastor. That's a job, and and God, um, you know, hand and foot, different roles. We are. We are the body. We have different roles. So we have this kind of knee jerk thing against feminism. And we got to stand actually with what God says. So respect each other for for our abilities and talents. Um, And God has called women to be a helpmate. That's a a big supportive role in family. He hasn't called women to be uh, uh, submissive to men. He's called a woman to be submissive to her husband. So that's an important clarification um which is sometimes confused um yeah i don't know I mean, is that hmm. that makes good? sense yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah sure. those
0: those are some good points of of wisdom and and just general hmm. points for for clarity definitely i mean there's an obvious tension yeah between what the, the uh, direction the world's going Third wave feminism, uh, fourth wave feminism, for that matter. Like, it's just it keeps ramping up and gets more and more extreme. So it seems like the church and, is getting pulled along.
1: And, the, and the, the thing that we have to remember is that it really was. Um, basketball is my favorite sport. I think it was like up to the 1970s. They had different basketball for girls They'd have five on each side of half. And they could only dribble the ball three times. You couldn't cross half. You had to pass it from the defensive guys to the offensive guys. And Hmm. that was all done because women were such delicate creatures that they couldn't run the full length of the court. That was just beyond women. Really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So there are ridiculous views about women that spawned uh, uh, the reaction of of the feminist movement but, um, you know, we, we now have, we'll take another basketball example. Um, The WNBA, there's a player who just uh, took to task one of the coaches. He ended up getting fined, I think $10,000 because the coach said that she was 300 pounds. Well, what's the whole context of this? Well, the coach was complaining to the ref that this woman was mugging his player. Come on, ref. She's like 300 pounds. So now this woman comes on and says, Hey, little white dude. So she, she calls him, you know, names. Um, You're not going to, you're not going to say that about me. He gets fined. So on the one hand, women are not men's lesser. On the other hand, now we have a feminism that says, Oh, you called me a name. (laughs) And and now I'm going to go faint on my, on my fainting couch. It's like, no, yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not any woman I know. That's yeah. not the women in, in the ch- the church I go to. There's mm-hmm. none of that. Yeah. So we have a better understanding, a better experience of uh, women than than the nonsense that gets spun out of the feminist movement. But it does. There was a reason for the reaction.
2: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that'll be interesting to you know parse out a little bit in a in another episode with you know we'll have to have a woman on for it, right? Yep. Definitely yeah. a good t- topic tackle. <laughs> Do you have anything a- you want to ask them still? No, I just wanted to thank you for, you know, being on and then also like, you know, for jumping your mind all through all sorts of different topics. Because, you know, talking to the editor editor of the magazines like got to hit on a whole bunch of hot topics. So, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Anything you want to
1: add, John? No, it was lots of fun. Um, Just so people can check out a lot of these articles at reformperspective.ca.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. All righty. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Definitely check out Reformed Perspective. We'll uh, throw a bunch of links in the description below and mm-hmm. uh, catch you next time, folks. Keep having Real Talk. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. You can send us your feedback by emailing us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. You can find us on social media by looking for the handle Performed Real Talk. You can find us online by going to realtalkpodcast.ca. We look forward to your feedback as that's what helps us grow and improve as podcasters. Real Talk is produced by myself, Lucas Holpfleur, Tyler Vanderwood, and Tim Van Waterberg. The theme music was created by Calvin Hutton. The table and cabinet behind me were made by Ethan Vanderwood of Eureka Woods. And finally, this sign in the studio was made by Zebra Signs. That's it for now, folks. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.